Today's guest on Lockdown Bearcats needs no fancy introduction other than he is the Hall of Fame voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats and my sportscasting mentor Dan Horde joins me on today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats. Our Lockdown Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. If you're watching on the Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel this morning, don't forget to subscribe, and you can also like and share a comment on today's video. If you're downloading from any audio platform, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, don't forget to like, share a comment, and give it a rating. All of that helps more Bearcats fans like you find this podcast. I'm Alex Frank, your host, as usual, every day. Using all of my experiences from my days as sports director at the University of Cincinnati's student-run media organization, Bearcast Media, made a lot of connections with those who cover the team professionally. And one of those connections just so happens to be my sportscasting mentor. He is the Hall of Fame voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats. And it also doesn't hurt to add that he is the voice of the reigning AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. He is the one, the only Dan Hoare. Dan, first off, is the... Is the chicken parmesan sandwich at the bread bar and the Mad Max burrito in Cincinnati, is it as good as you say it is? Well, unfortunately, the bread bar is no longer in business. So the chicken parm sandwich was as good as I claimed. It was incredible. I miss it badly. Hopefully the chef that uh, was in charge will be back in business (laughs) somewhere sometime soon. But the Mad Max burrito is incredible. I don't know if you had one in your time in Clifton, but it's huge. It's delicious. As I said on my podcast, the size of a regulation NFL football. Uh, And since you mentioned it, I might have to go get myself one today. (laughs) Now you're making me hungry. Is it named after Max Montoya, the great Bengals offensive lineman? I don't know for sure, but I don't think so. My guess is no, but I can ask the next time I'm there. How about that? So, Dan, the the Bearcats, speaking of Clifton, they had a historic weekend. Nine players got drafted, another signed as an undrafted free agent. So is this, in your opinion, the most historic weekend in the history of Bearcats football? Well, certainly when it comes to the draft, and it's not even close, they had six in 2009. One of those guys is still playing, Kevin Huber, which is awesome. But to, to have the third most players taken in an NFL draft, only Georgia and LSU had more selected this year. Georgia had 15, which is insane. LSU had 10, even though LSU has not been great since Joe Burrow was the quarterback. But for UC to be third on that list with nine NFL draft picks, including five in the first three rounds, it really is indicative of what uh, an incredible job Luke Fickle and his staff have done over the last five years. What does it say, Dan, about future recruits coming to Cincinnati and knowing, hey, we can be de- we can be developed, we can become NFL prospects? I look at Sauce Gardner. He was sixth on the Bearcats' depth chart going into the 2019 season, and now he is the fourth overall selection in the NFL draft. So what does this sell to future recruits who maybe are considering coming to Cincinnati, maybe they're also being recruited by that school up I-71 in Ohio State. What does it say to those future recruits? Well, it tells them two things. Number one, 
Your NFL dreams can come true at Cincinnati, just like any other school in the country. If you are good enough, the NFL will find you. Secondly, it tells those players, we will develop you into being NFL players. Because if you look at that list of the nine Bearcats that were drafted last weekend, only one was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. And that was a guy who didn't go to Cincinnati originally, Jerome Ford. He was a four-star recruit going to Alabama. The other guys were three stars or less, no five stars. So most of them were three stars or less. Brian Cook, who was a second round draft pick, was zero stars coming out of Mount Healthy High School. So Brady Collins in the strength staff, Luke Fickle in the assistant coaches, they are going to develop you into be worthy uh, of being an NFL draft pick. And the proof was in the pudding last weekend. Quick note, today's uh, episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by BetOnline.net. And as you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before, BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, I want to ask you about Luke Fickle because it, it's amazing to me, it's unique to me, it really is, that he's going into year number six. And I think about all the opportunities that have come his way. Dan Notre Dame, most notably last year, He's had Boston College. There was that in 2018. Didn't really buy into that. Michigan State, of course, in 2020. And yet, Dan, he's still here. How unique is that? Well, it's very unique. When you look at the great coaches that have come through Cincinnati over the last 20 years, typically they were here for three years and gone. Uh, Luke Fickle is going to double that in year six this year. And let's be honest about last year, Alex. He could have had any opening in the country. USC reached out to his representatives Notre Dame, LSU, they all did. And Luke Fickle would not meet with any of those schools because of his integrity. He was not going to abandon an undefeated team on its way to playing in the 14 playoff and and taking on Alabama in the Cotton Bowl until the job was done. So uh, unfortunately, I suppose in a sense, maybe his integrity stood in the way of Luke landing one of the jobs that I think most of us assumed was one of his potential dream jobs in Notre Dame, uh, but he doesn't seem upset about it. Cincinnati is taking care of him. He's going to make more than $5 million a year, and and obviously he and his family are really happy in Cincinnati and building something really special. Do you? How good do you think this Bearcats team will be this year? Because I look at the talent they lost last year. It, it, it's substantial. It, it, it's a lot. But I also – look at Luke Fickle as a head coach. I look at the depth chart that they had last year, and a lot of those players will be starting this year. So how good do you think this team will be even after losing all the talent from last year? They're going to be really good. Now, you can't lose nine NFL draft picks and be stay the same, I don't think, at Cincinnati or really just about any other school. Regular season in the conference championship game for the third year in a row. That's probably unrealistic, but I would be surprised if Cincinnati won fewer than nine games and didn't contend for the American championship. And if they can win the American championship again, there would be a good chance that they would qualify for a New Year's Six Bowl, which would be an amazing accomplishment as they get ready to go into the Big 12. Let's go back to this year's draft class. Desmond Ritter is the player I've spent a lot of time talking about this week, rightfully so. When you're the quarterback, you're going to get more attention. That's just the nature of the game. Desmond Ritter went to the Falcons, which I'm just down the road from there right now in Macon, Georgia. Do you like where he is? Do you think he can be eventually the starting quarterback for the Falcons, Dan? 
I think he'll start at some point this year. I really do. Their quarterback is Marcus Mariota, who to this point in his NFL career has not had a lot of success. So I think it's the perfect landing spot for Desmond Ritter. In fact, you know, Des was at nearly every spring practice that UC held this year as he was training in Cincinnati. And shortly after the Matt Ryan trade happened, uh, sending him to the Indianapolis Colts, I ran into Des Ritter and I said, hey, what do you think about Atlanta as a possible landing spot? And he's like, well, they just, you know, they signed Marcus Mariota, so they've got a guy. Uh, but I think he acknowledged at that point that that would be one of the teams that made the most sense. So I'm thrilled that that's where he wound up. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I was worried it was going to be Pittsburgh. I don't want my hatred of the Steelers diluted by my love for Desmond Ritter. So I'll have no issues rooting for Des unless the Bengals and Falcons meet in a, su a future Super Bowl. Well, the Falcons do play the Bengals this year in Cincinnati, so there could be that chance we see Desmond Ritter playing in, NF in an NFL game in Cincinnati. I mean, talk about things coming full circle in that regard. That would be cool. Uh I guess if I if as I said he starts at some point this season, I guess from a personal standpoint, I would prefer it not to be against the Bengals. I, I hate to root against a guy like Desmond Ritter, and and clearly I would want the Bengals to win that game. But if it happens and he's playing, maybe he can do good personally, and uh, the Bengals can still win by a wide margin. Well, I mean, or it could be a shootout, and the and then uh, Evan McPherson hits one from like sixty yards at the final gun to win the game. So. Let me ask you about Sauce Gardner, because obviously first round draft pick, first Bearcat to be selected in the first round since 1971. I mean, you want to talk about how long it's been since that. I mean, I said at that point in time, President, former President Richard Nixon was still not a crook at the time. So Sauce Gardner goes to the Jets. I think it's a great fit because I think he's got the personality. You saw the chains he wore at the draft. And do you like where Sauce ended up at the New York Jets? I like the fact that he went fourth overall more than anything. That's the highest any Bearcat has ever been drafted. The previous record was fifth by Greg Cook by the Bengals in the 60s. So uh, I do think he has the personality to handle New York. You know, the extra scrutiny and media attention and fan attention. Some guys can't handle it. I think Sauce can. It's interesting with him. I think people around the country maybe have the wrong impression of Sauce because of the giant chain and now the Sauce bottle jewelry that he has. I think a lot of people look at him and think maybe he's got, you know, kind of Deion Sanders personality or something like that. Far from it. I mean, he's almost a split personality. You have that side of him when he takes the field. And then when you talk to him one on one, He's the opposite. He is one of the most quiet, respectful, humble, soft-spoken kids that's come through here. So he turns it on when he comes on the field. That's almost like a, a superhero alter ego. He goes from a mod to sauce. And uh, I think one thing that's going to be very interesting to see is how NFL teams test him. Because you know they will. He's a rookie. They want to see how good he is. And uh, for the past couple of years, college teams didn't. He only got targeted 40 times last year, which is an incredibly low number for a 14-game season. So uh, it's going to be a lot different for him in the NFL when teams say, all right, Sauce, let's see what you got. Did you foresee Sauce Gardner being this good when he first burst onto the scene at Cincinnati? Because one of my favorite calls that you've done is Sauce Gardner's pick six against UCF when you told the whole community of Clifton and, quite frankly, the world, college football world, his nickname is Sauce. Did you foresee at that point him being this good and this 
caliber of a draft pick number four overall? Nobody did. That year, he wasn't even playing significantly until that game. And Luke Fickle will tell you, after that pick six, he and the coaches more or less said to each other, what are we doing? Why, why don't we have this guy on the field more? So there were glimpses of it, certainly, in his true freshman year at practice. But nobody anticipated that this skinny kid who arrived in Clifton at about 160 pounds was going to be the fourth pick in the NFL draft. And that gets back to what I was saying earlier, the job that Brady Collins and the strength and conditioning staff did in building him up to a 200-pound a muscle-bound corner, and then the coaching staff and refining his technique and making him one of the most technically sound uh, defensive backs in the draft, just phenomenal on both ends. It's amazing to me the job Luke Fickle's done with the development, Brady Collins, the strength coach, how much this Bearcats program has punched above its weight class being in a group of five school going to the college football playoff. Uh, Dan, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you about some other draft picks from this weekend. Brian Cook, Alec Pierce, Curtis Brooks. We weren't really sure if he was going to get drafted, but he did. And that's what made it nine picks for Cincinnati. But first, I'm going to tell everybody listening to this interview about betonline.net because it is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which have been just phenomenal. Major League Baseball, the Yankees have won 11 straight games, and this weekend's run to the Roses at the, as the Kentucky Derby is back. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting Wagering information from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action bet online where the game starts. The voice of the Bearcats, Hall of Fame voice of the Bearcats, class of 2019. Dan Hoare joins me on today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats. Of course, he's also the voice of the reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Dan, how great and how much fun was it? Because I always said, you know, there were two great quarterbacks in Cincinnati who wore number nine, Desmond Ritter and, of course, some guy named Joe Burrow who plays for the Bengals. How much fun was it to be around those guys last year and call their games on runs to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl? I mean, it must have been the best year of your broadcasting career. I think it's one of the best uh, years that any broadcaster has had. I was the luckiest man on the face of the earth, to quote Lou Gehrig, <laughs> uh, to do UC games on the route to the uh, college foot 14 playoff and then have the opportunity to call a Super Bowl. It was incredible. Uh, I'll be honest, Alex, when I graduated from Syracuse with a dream of becoming a sports broadcaster, I think I would have been happy had I gone back to my tiny hometown of Lakewood, New York, and done the high school game of the week on WJTN radio. I just wanted to, to call games. It's all I ever wanted to do my whole life. So in many, uh, in, in a real sense, reality has exceeded my dreams to have the opportunity to do those two teams last year. And, and hopefully there are even better things to come in the future. We'll see. Potentially a Lombardi trophy, maybe a national championship trophy. Another thing that is coming to Cincinnati, Dan, and you're going to get to call games for a school in a power five conference. The Bearcats are going to the Big 12 next year. How much fun is that going to be for you, for the university, for the student body, the alumni base, which is substantial? How much fun is that going to be, Cincinnati and the Big 12? I think especially in basketball, when you talk about Kansas, Baylor, all those schools, West Virginia coming in and going to Allen Fieldhouse and Morgantown, how much fun is that going to be? 
It's going to be great. The last two national champions in basketball have come from the Big 12. We know about the history in football. It's going to be challenging. So it, there may be some growing pains along the way, but that's okay. Whatever league Cincinnati has ever been in, it hasn't taken long for the Bearcats to rise to the top of the pack. And I honestly believe that will happen in, uh, in the Big 12. Maybe not uh, every year. You know, it, it's hard to finish on top of that conference on a on an annual basis, but I do think there will, will be years where Cincinnati wins uh, the Big 12 in football and basketball. And as you mentioned, it, it does look now like it is going to happen next year. Reports have come out in the last day or two that uh, the schools that are leaving the American for the Big 12 have just about settled on a price uh, to get out one year earlier than anticipated, somewhere between 17 and 20 million bucks. So once that news is final and Cincinnati can officially say that uh, it's going to happen next year, I think that's going to be huge for the athletic department. Let's go back to um, this weekend in the draft. One player who really took rise, rose dramatically in the, in the pre-draft process combine is Alec Pierce. And I always thought he was a better prospect than some originally thought. Well, he ends up going 50, was 52nd, 53rd overall in the 53rd. second round to the 53rd mm -hmm. to the Indianapolis Colts. I think he can make an immediate impact on a Colts team that doesn't really have a, you know, a, a star studded receiving core. You have a quarterback in Matt Ryan, who's incredibly experienced. You have a really good offensive line. So you're going to be able to utilize Alec Pierce's deep routes um, what kind of impact do you think he can make on the Colts? And did you think that he was this good of a prospect? I did, especially after the combine. When he tested off the charts at the combine, I anticipated that uh, it was likely he was going to be a second round pick. So I was thrilled that that was the case. And I, I agree with you. The Colts do not have a great core of wide receivers. They drafted Michael Pittman recently. He's very similar to Alec Pierce. He's a bigger receiver uh, with the ability to come down to contested catches down the field. So I think Alex is going to play a huge role right off the bat. And Matt Ryan, despite his advancing age, is still a great throwing quarterback. He's not mobile, uh, but he can throw the ball away as well as just about anybody. So I would anticipate that Alec Pierce is going to have Really good stats as a rookie for the Colts. Another uh, Bearcat that went to the Colts is Curtis Brooks, defensive tackle. I always really liked him from the moment he really came into the starting lineup. It was about 2019 after the graduate, graduate or rather the departures of Marquise Copeland, Kamani Fitz, and Cortez Broughton. Um, Curtis Brooks comes in, first game against UCLA that year, has a strip sack fumble, and he just took off from there. Did you think that he should have been invited to the combine? Because he was not. And I think a lot of people in Cincinnati were upset about that. Did you think he should have been invited? And um, did you expect him to get his name called during draft weekend? Well, Luke Fickle was upset that he wasn't invited to the Combine. So that's all I needed to know. And as great as the Bearcats defense was last year, Luke Fickle has said he thought Curtis Brooks was the Bearcats defensive MVP. So Sauce Gardner was named the defensive player of the year in the conference Luke Fickle says Curtis Brooks was the MVP defensively on his own team. So that tells you how well he played last year. He did such a great job in 
occupying tacklers so other players could make plays. That's really a, a major job of the guy playing on the nose. And then at UC's Pro Day, he tested off the charts. So at that point, I thought he would be drafted. I didn't think so until the Pro Day. Once I saw him put up the numbers that he did, it became pretty obvious that he was uh, moving his way into the NFL draft. And it'll be interesting to see how things uh, go for him with the Colts. You know, they, uh, they've been a, a team that's had a great defense in recent years. So he's going to be surrounded by really good players. And uh, I'd like to think that he's going to have a long and productive NFL career. And I think he will. Yeah, I took note of that when I looked at the Colts roster because their defense, Darius Leonard's been a great player in the in the NFL for years. They've got their defensive line has guys like Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, and they just also signed Yannick Nagakwe, who was who had a really good game, I think, against the Bengals in the regular season game last year. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to see what Alec Pierce can do. I think it's great that they're playing close to Cincinnati as well. I want to ask you, Dan, about Brian Cook, because I heard you um, on your Bengals booth podcast with Bengals team reporter Melissa, Marissa Contepelli, um, you said that Brian Cook was the most underrated prospect on this team. Now he's going to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they got a big void to fill at safety with the departure of Tyron Matthew. Um, what kind of impact do you think he can make, and is he the most underrated player that we're not talking about from the Bearcats draft class? Well, here's all you need to know about Brian Cook. When – NFL scouts are out on the road during the course of the season. We always hear during the draft process, these scouts talk about how they try to get intel on these players. They talk to the strength coach. They talk to the academic advisor. They're always trying to learn things about these guys, anything that they can add to the file when they're out on the road. And they may not say it, but that includes broadcasters. So people will frequently pop into our booth and get our opinion, just another voice to add to their files uh, about these prospects. And I would say last year, the person that Jim Kelly and I were asked about the most was Brian Cook, because scouts already knew a lot about Sauce Gardner, Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, Kobe Bryant, my Jay Sanders. But Brian Cook didn't really emerge as a potential star until the Peach Bowl. He was behind two NFL safeties prior to that uh, in Forrest and Wiggins. And then Wiggins was injured in the Peach Bowl. Brian Cook had a great. Game against Georgia. It carried over to a great selected in the second round by a team, as you mentioned, that needs help at safety. Right now, I think their top two safeties are Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill. Uh, neither one of those guys is going to a Pro Bowl, uh, in my opinion, anytime soon. So I think Brian Cook can can have an impact right away with the Chiefs. We know how many defensive backs teams are playing this year, and between. Uh, snaps in the nickel and the dime and also a special teams contribution. I think Brian Cook's going to be a great addition in KC. Well, you mentioned uh, the players in front of the Kansas City won't be going to the Pro Bowl. That's because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are going to cook the secondary, hopefully again this year for the third time this calendar year. Dan, uh, after we switch gears here and hear from the sponsor, I'm going to ask you about how much fun it was to call the Bengals run to the Super Bowl. I still can't believe I'm saying those words. I've got the uh, rule them ball book on my coffee table here in my apartment. It, it was an unbelievable run. I want to ask you about it because you were front and center. We're going to switch gears here and hear from a sponsor and get to that. 
The Hall of Fame voice of the Bearcats, Dan Horde, and the voice of the reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde, joining me today on Lockdown Bearcats. So, Dan, the last time I had you on this show was the Monday before the Cotton Bowl. That was when the Cincinnati sports curse was still a thing. Well, <laughs> three weeks later, Jermaine Pratt, with the maybe biggest interception in team history, um, the, the curse ended. How much fun was it to be a part of that the Bengals Super Bowl run? Because as you and Dave Lapham talked about frequently, the city just fell in love with the team. It was amazing. And this probably works better on the uh, video portion of this, the, the video cast as opposed to the uh, audio podcast. But calling a Super Bowl to me was like the first Jurassic Park movie. So for those of you who saw Jurassic Park, Sam Neill is sitting in the uh, Jeep. They're driving around the island. And suddenly the Jeep stops and he takes his glasses and he slowly removes his glasses and he looks up. And now he's, he's seeing a dinosaur for the first time. Dinosaurs still exist. And that's kind of what broadcasting a Super Bowl was like for me. It's like, holy cow. I'm actually in the radio booth getting set to broadcast a Super Bowl. And unfortunately, final two minutes went the Rams way and the Bengals didn't win. But the good news is I firmly believe that in the Joe Burrow era, I'll have the opportunity to do it again and probably more than once. I don't know if it'll happen this year. It's hard to go in back-to-back -back seasons. But Burrow is that good. The roster is getting better, not worse. And uh, it's, it's really an exciting time to be a Bengals fan and obviously a Bearcats fan as well. Joe Burrow led the NFL in completion percentage and yards per attempt with an offensive line that allowed him to be sacked the most times regular and postseason combined in NFL history. All right, so then they add Dan, and, and, I'm, and you know this all too well, very well actually, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins. So the offensive line is going to be better. They got their entire receiving core. I know CJ Uzama um is going to be he's heading off to the Jets but they signed Hayden Hurst so they got a lot of pieces returning the defense maybe is going to be even better than it was last year so I know the AFC is loaded but how hard do you think is it because I look at it this way the road to the AFC the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC I think runs through Cincinnati because a they're the reigning champions and b Try taking down Joe Burrow. We saw it, Dan, last year in the playoffs. It's not easy, right? It's not. And now we get to see Joe Burrow with a better offensive line in front of him. The Bengals re-signed Kevin Huber, as you know, yesterday, uh, potentially bringing him back to be the starting punter for the 14th year. As I joked at a speaking engagement the other night, now that Joe Burrow has a better offensive line, Kevin Huber won't be punting anyway. He'll strictly be holding on extra points. <laughs> score touchdowns on every drive, uh, slightly facetious, but uh, it's it's really exciting. And uh, and I agree. Simply uh, due to the fact that they are the reigning champions, the road to the Super Bowl has to go through Cincinnati. But let's uh, let's consider eight names: Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Matt Ryan, uh, Derek Carr. I'm probably, I think I'm forgetting one other guy, but all of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Those eight quarterbacks are all in the AFC now. Three are former MVPs. All eight have been to Pro Bowls, a combined total of 27 Pro Bowls. 
Three of those five quarterbacks have taken their teams to the Super Bowl, a total of five appearances. So the AFC is stacked with great quarterbacks and great skill position talent. So even though the Bengals are the reigning champs, the road to get back uh, is going to take some luck, some great play, and uh, the fewest injuries always helps. It's luck they had last season, though. Um, you think about, you know, the Ravens had, excuse me, a bunch of injuries. The Browns had a bunch of injuries. The Steelers had a rough start to the season, and the Bengals took advantage. I still think they have the best quarterback in the AFC North. And and you mentioned all the great quarterbacks in the conference, but Joe Burrow's 2-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. He's beaten Lamar Jackson. I know he's 0-1 against Justin Herbert, but I, I just think, Dan, Joe Burrow's experience, his demeanor – you have to feel pretty good about who the Bengals have under center to try and get back to a second straight Super Bowl. Well, those eight quarterbacks that I just mentioned, I read off that list at the same speaking engagement uh, that I referred to earlier. And I said to the audience, what do those eight quarterbacks have in common? And the answer that I was seeking was they are all in the AFC. I was going to make the point that as I just made, that this is the road to the Super Bowl now through these uh, great quarterbacks. And somebody stood up and, and said, they are quarterbacks two through nine in the AFC. So I thought that was yes. a great answer, uh, that Joe Burrow is the best of the pack, and he might be. I mean, he's incredible. We're so lucky that he is the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. He's not only a great player, he's the perfect representative of the city and the franchise. I like your glasses. Thank um, you. And, uh, you know, it's it's a great time to be a Bengals fan because we know that Joe Burrow is going to be the quarterback of this franchise for a long time. All right, let's switch gears to um, a team we haven't talked about yet on this edition of Lockdown Bearcats. Let's go back to the Bearcats. I just want to ask you about the Bengals since you are the voice of the Bengals. You're going into your 12th season as that that's hard for me to believe I still remember when you took over in 2011 yeah this is actually the anniversary date of when the Bengals hired me it was May 4th 2011 so uh I'm very uh, fortunate and uh, blessed that I got that phone call 11 years ago and and hopefully I'll be doing the games for at least 11 more years and for those listening who have not heard the story of how Dan Horde, or there is a story. I remember, Dan, you were on the play-by-play uh, -play podcast hosted by Joe Godet, a uh, former voice of the Ball State Cardinals. And he, you were on his one of his episodes, and I heard the story of how you were uh, called to be the voice of the Bengals. So for those listening to this podcast after this, if you want to go check that out, it's episode 111 of the play-by-play -play cast. Dan Horde, a guest with Joe Godet, the story of how he became and got the call to be the voice of the Bengals is magnificent. And he'll also tell you the story, I'm sure, about um, how when his son was born, how he managed to get from another country back into the United States. And that was May 3rd. My son uh, celebrated his 16th birthday yesterday. <laughs> so, yes, I was out of the country, albeit Canada, when my wife went into labor, but I was able to make, uh, make it back in time for Sam's birth, and we had a great celebration of his birthday last night. Well, happy birthday to Sam, 16. I mean, he he is really grown up. I, I remember when he would, and he was like just a few years ago. And look at how far he's come. And he's doing well. Your whole family's doing well, I'm sure, too. So I want to switch this um, in sports to men's basketball, Dan, because I look at the activity that the Bearcats have had this offseason. Uh, Rob Finnessy, Kalui Zepke, Landers Nolly II. Do you see this uh, West Miller year two? Do you see improvements on the horizon? Maybe. Competi competing for an NCAA tournament berth? 
I do. I think that's a realistic expectation. Uh, not that they'll necessarily make it, but they will be in the hunt. They're certainly going to be better with the players that they've added, uh, not only the three transfers that you mentioned, but the three high school players coming in. I'm excited to see them. And plus, you know, the returning players will have a year in the system, a year with the coaching staff, a year of off-season work with this coaching staff. So I think that the team will definitely be better. And uh, I, that will be my expectation that they are in the mix uh, to go back to the NCAA tournament. What does the commitment of Rayvon Griffith do for this program because he's the first commit for the class of 2023 that also means he's the first commit in the big 12 era for cincinnati so what does that do for the program well it's huge it's very similar in my opinion to when mick cronin got yancey gates to commit because rayvon griffith is one of the best prospects to come out of the cincinnati area in several years and wes miller early in his tenure convinced him to stay home Mick was able to do that with Yancey, got to a sweet 16 with Yancey being part of the team. And anytime you can get a guy of that magnitude, number one ranked recruit in Ohio, easily the number one recruit in the city, top 50 in the country, when you can get a guy like that, whose finalists include Kansas and UCLA, to stay home and plant that flag in his hometown, that is such a boost to the credibility of a coach early in his tenure. So for Wes to pull that off and his staff, let's give his staff credit too, because I know Andre Morgan worked that really hard. Um, for Wes to pull that off this early in his tenure, I think is a real coup. And it'll be interesting to see what other great players wind up becoming Bearcats because they saw this move uh, really in, in one year into Wes Miller's tenure as Cincinnati's head coach. I think it's a great point how you bring up one of his finalists was Kansas because, as you mentioned earlier in the show, the last two NCAA national champions have come from the Big 12, Kansas, this year. And then Rayvon Griffith chose Cincinnati over Kansas. They will be conference foes in 2023. So, And I also said this too. I've said this too, Dan. I think what the Bearcats men's basketball program needed was a player like Rayvon Griffith who can come in and change the trajectory of the program, like Desmond Ritter did for football, like Joe Burrow has done for the Bengals, same too with Jamar Chase. Do you feel that way about Rayvon Griffith being that guy for the men's basketball program? We'll see. I think that's possible, but Des Ritter didn't do it overnight, uh, although you know, they did win 11 games his first year, first year that he played. Uh, but I think uh, it's – it's the notion that a recruit like that helps to recruit others. And I do think that's going to happen. So Tyler McKinley is one uh, school year behind Rayvon Griffith. He's at Walnut Hills High School getting ready to play his junior year. He's going to be the next great recruit out of Cincinnati. Can Rayvon Griffith's commitment help convince a guy like that to also go to UC? I have no idea. Uh, Tyler's being recruited by every big program in the country but Cincinnati has been in there early and often they're going to recruit that really hard and maybe Rayvon's commitment will help com convince a guy like Tyler to also be a Bearcat and if that happens that's how you wind up being a powerhouse in the Big 12. Do you and this may see, this may be an obvious question but do you, you said on Twitter recently that you believe the program is in absolute good hands with Wes Miller as head coach why? 
Yeah, Wes Miller and his staff. I didn't just say Wes. I said his entire sure. staff because I really like his assistant coaches, Mike Roberts, Chad Dollar, Andre Morgan, uh, the additional support staff. These guys are great. Uh, and I think that's so important. I think that's one reason why Mick Cronin eventually uh, built a really great program at UC. I liked his assistant coaches, uh, not only for the recruiting ability, but their day-to-day coaching and developing these players. And I think this is a really good staff. And uh, and my biggest takeaway from being around Wes Miller for one year is that I can't believe he was still available. I'm, I don't know what jobs he may have turned down over the course of the 10 years. He was the head coach at Greensboro. And obviously it took him a while to get it rolling there. So he probably didn't have a lot of offers early in his tenure, but I'm sure over the last three years that he was there, he did. And I'm just so, so thankful that he turned down whatever offers were out there and wound up at Cincinnati because I think he is an absolute home run uh, as the next guy to build Cincinnati into a powerhouse. And I have little doubt that that's going to be the case. All right. Final two questions here, because I, th- I feel like everyone is dying to know this answer. First off, is your undefeated streak in Wordle still alive? <laughs> It is. I think I'm about 70 for 70 so far. I have had a handful of instances where it came down to the sixth guest, and uh, and thankfully I got it right. Uh, but my career track record for Wardle remains perfect, and I haven't played yet today, so I'm glad you reminded me because I hate it when I forget to play and then the streak ends. I like to have an active streak going as well as my, my perfect record for always getting it right. So you... I mean, Bearcats football and, and Bengals football is still a few months away. Bearcats men's basketball has ended. So, I mean, how do you fill the time between now and the start of football season when maybe there aren't as many games to broadcast? How do you fill that time, Dan? What does what, what your schedule look like as an announcer right now? You know, it's amazing. As you know, Alex, there's always NFL news, right? I mean, the NFL oh, yeah. has, has figured out a way to keep the media busy at all times. So, you know, there was a lot of interest and work leading up to the draft and then analyzing the draft. The Monday after the draft, the Bengals veteran players are back in town. So now they are practicing and meeting with the media. That generates a lot of content. Today, the NFL announced the international schedule leading up to that. It was possible, at least, that the Bengals could be playing the Saints in London or the Buccaneers in Germany. So there was a lot of interest as to whether that was going to happen. Uh, Thankfully for Bengals fans, they are not going abroad this year. So uh, we'll get to see uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase playing in the Superdome against the Saints. But next week, May the 12th, the NFL schedule comes out. There'll be a ton of interest in that. That's always the most nerve-wracking day of my year because I'll find out which weekends are going to be challenging and getting from a UC game on a Saturday to a Bengals game on a Sunday. So uh, the NFL news just seems to keep coming out on a steady basis. Uh, There's always work for me to do for the podcast and for the Bengals website until uh, late June, going into early July. Then I will get a big chunk of time off before training camp begins in late July. Uh, But until then, I'll be plenty busy. And then you'll go to Seattle and meet uh, – who was that you told me you met at uh, Seattle's ballpark? Uh, was it some astronaut or some – I remember you told yes. me this story. Yes. So, a quick story. Who knows? I have a friend who works for the Seattle Mariners, 
My wife and son and I went to a Mariners game several years ago, and this friend who works in the front office got us great seats. We were sitting in the front row right next to the Seattle dugout. So during the course of the game, there was a woman and her dad sitting next to us, and we struck up a conversation, and she was really friendly. She was giving us tips on things to see and do in Seattle. And then in about the fifth inning of the game, the PA announcer at the stadium said, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, the Seattle Mariners would like to recognize one of Seattle's most prominent residents. Please welcome space shuttle astronaut Bonnie Dunbar. And this woman that we had been sitting next to and talking to stands up and starts waving to the crowd. So when you meet a space shuttle astronaut who doesn't even brag about it until her name is said over the uh, PA system, that's a pretty cool experience. I mean, this is why Dan's got so many, you have so many great additions of story time with Dan when you would host extra innings. You, I mean, you have the 2005 Masters experience at Augusta with Tiger Woods, his famous shot on 16. Some of the best stories and interviews that I've heard from you and from whoever you interview have come during the offseason on the Bengals Booth podcast, which you can check that out after listening to today's episode of Locked On Bearcats. Dan, I wish we had more time because I could probably – there's so many more questions, but now that we know the Bengals are playing in New Orleans and Tampa, I'm sure that I will see you down in those cities. Uh, could we see that Burrow versus Brady matchup Thanksgiving primetime? I've heard that to be a possibility. I don't know if it'll be Thanksgiving, but I think we can pretty much guarantee that's going to be primetime. And since you mentioned the Bengals Booth podcast, Alex, I've got an interview coming up on Friday that I will post on the uh, next episode of the podcast with Mike North who is basically in charge of scheduling for the NFL. So I will ask him about the Bengals' primetime experiences. I'll ask him why they didn't wind up in one of these international games. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll get some interesting nuggets on uh, what the Bengals – he won't give details, I'm sure, uh, but we'll get a sense at least of you know what we can anticipate for the Bengals where the schedule is concerned uh, coming off a Super Bowl appearance with guys like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to hear that. Another great interview coming up on that on the Bengals Booth Podcast. Dan, thank you so much for your time today on Lockdown Bearcats, Hall of Fame voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats, my sportscasting mentor. It was an honor to have you on. I'm sure we'll cross paths before the season starts once again. And I just and there's a good chance, Dan, I will see you in Fayetteville, Arkansas, September 3rd for the season opener of the Cincinnati Bearcats and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Dan, thank you so much for your time and uh, best wishes to you and your family. Alex, thanks for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to seeing you on the road. Thank you. And uh, Dan Hoard, the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats and Cincinnati Bengals, joining me today on Lockdown Bearcats. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can also follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you're watching this on the Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel, to subscribe and then like and share a comment on the video if you're downloading from an audio platform whether it be apple podcast spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts to like share a comment and give it a rating because all of that helps more bearcats fans like you find this podcast thanks for making it your first listen every day locked on bearcats your first listen every day now get all of your daily big 12 news in less than 30 minutes with big 12 30 minutes with big 12 expert josh neighbors the host of locked on big 12 it's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts Tomorrow on the show, he was supposed to be on the day. But that's okay. When you got Dan Horde on the, when you got Dan Horde um, saying that that today is the day he can do an interview with you on the Bearcats draft class, you take advantage of that. 
which means tomorrow we got Russ Heltman from All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated on the show. Looking forward to that. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your Thursday.